This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, if you get woke, you go broke. But if you make so much money, you can be woke, broke, and then choke. You're still going to be making money. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you look at the NFL, Nike, ESPN, Fox Sports, they still making money. I'm just keeping it real. I'm just keeping it real. Oh, man. Breonna Taylor. I Man, this is really a touchy subject. I've been, it's just been on my mind. I was going to avoid it, but it's just really been on my mind. It's really unfortunate that she died. I'm, I'm choking up now. Because it's like, I just feel bad that she died. <sighs> okay, you can't blame her boyfriend for defending himself and Beyonce Taylor. Well, trying. You can't blame her from sh- blame him for shooting at what he thought was intruders. You can't blame the police for doing what they were told to do, which was go there and search that apartment. Because they believe that Brianna Taylor was really involved with Jamarcus Glover. And she was. She was involved with Jamarcus Glover. And Jamarcus Glover apparently is some, you know, big time uh, drug guy. I, I, according, I guess according to Louisville, I was, I've been, you know, reading the leaked documents and all the convos and the pictures and the texts. I mean, she was involved, but she wasn't, Rihanna Taylor was involved, but she wasn't no, she wasn't no gangster. Like, she wasn't no criminal. It was like, well, her and Jamarcus had feelings for each other. Um, it's been a four-year-long relationship, and they were, they were romantically involved until they broke off and became friends. And well, Rihanna Taylor, just the things that she did for Jamarcus is just literally just helping out a friend. She didn't want to be involved in a drug game, and Jamarcus knew that, so she, so he made sure he kept her away from all of that. I'm just trying to paraphrase as much as I can. I I read a lot. I read a lot on this case, man. Um, Man, they really did their homework on Jamarcus Glover. They know everything about this guy. They know the people he hang with, the dresses he used. They raided his trap houses. They arrested him multiple times, all that stuff. And that's what led the police to Breonna Taylor's door. But the thing is, though, I still don't think they needed to conduct a search warrant on Brianna Taylor because I think her involvement was minimal I think they searched her house because um Jamarcus Glover had some packages that was sent to the house and he had a bank statement that was sent to the house I guess he's using that address because you know the police is watching him so he gotta move a certain way but I guess they they saw the package and they was like man we we might as well search this house too we just search this place search this place and I think they was like, they was expecting it to be like all the other places he had been. We go in, we raid, we we get the drugs, we get the money. Whoever's in there, we arrest them, we question them, or we, we uh, charge them with whatever we got charge them. And they had been watching them on surveillance and everything. They got proof that Brianna Taylor was somewhat involved, but she's not a criminal, though. She's not a criminal, though. But she was involved in that night. Um, she wasn't asleep. She wasn't wasn't asleep. Okay, maybe she was, but she was woken up by the banging on the door. And I think this is what happened. The police thought it was just gonna be the uh, just Brianna at the house. It's gonna come through. Say it's police. We're gonna search the house. It's gonna look, and they was gonna find nothing because there was nothing there. Um, and then. They would maybe get Brianna, question her, roll out and roll on to the next one, roll on to the next part of the case. I don't think they expected to be shot at, so they defended themselves. And somebody messed up. Either the boyfriend, uh, Walker, didn't hear the police announce they were there, or the police didn't. Or the police didn't do a good job of announcing they were there. And they just bust in without doing a good announcement. And they got shot at. And then they, of course, you don't know who's shooting at you in the dark like that. So you just got to keep shooting and shooting. And your man, uh, Walker, ducked out the way. And Breonna Taylor couldn't in time. She got 
she got smoked. I think that's what happened. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it sucks because um, I don't think the police should have been there in the first place because what I read in the case is Brianna Taylor's involvement is very minimal. She was just doing little small favors just to help out Jamarcus. She didn't have any intent to sell any drugs. She didn't have any intent in killing nobody. She wasn't, I don't think she's doing anything really wrong. It was just, she had feelings for the Jamarcus. Jamarcus had feelings for her, and uh, their bond go deep. So you just help out a friend. Even though they both know, you know, Jamarcus do some shady stuff. That's why they kind of went their separate ways before she died. He even said that in the documents. And Jamarcus is just torn up about it because uh, he, he wished the boyfriend didn't shoot at the police. But he had to. He didn't know they were the police. It's just an unfortunate situation. I wish they didn't call up that warrant. I think they should have, I guess, read deeper into their relationship and not assumed that there was money and drugs there at Breonna Taylor's house. Um, it's just really unfortunate. It, it, it sucks. But I'm not, I'm not really, I can't really say the police are racist, but I can't really say the boyfriend's an idiot. And I can't really say that Breonna Taylor's a criminal and in the drug game. You can't just say that, man. You just got to call the situation for what it is. I just wish, um, you just got to blame the people who called up the, the warrant. Does it suck? Am I mad at them? Yeah, a little bit, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to get upset. I'm just going to be like, damn, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm be a little sad, but life goes on. And joy comes in the morning. <laughs> Praise God. I just uh, pray for everyone involved and everyone who's upset about this, for sure. Um, you just got to hear out everyone from both sides, even though some people are going, taking this way too far either side. This, uh, whatever side you're on in this debate, just so, show some compassion and just try to look at it from all sides and all angles. And don't be too emotional and don't make irrational claims and decisions. I know it's easy for me to say because of how I look at it. I, I know I'm human and I could be moved by emotion too. But I, it's just this case. I just, everyone involved had to do what they had to do. I'm just saying. It just looks like, it looks like police still don't care about black people. And that's going to make a lot of black people upset. Because it's just going to trigger the history and the things that they've gone through. I'm going to say this over and over again. Anything that triggers the history of how their ancestors and their grandparents and parents and how they were treated as black people in America just for their skin, anything that triggers that, they're going to be mad, bro. They ain't gonna, we ain't going to care. Even me, like, even me, you know, I'm not, I can't say I'm not pro-black, but if I see some, some racist stuff, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be a little bit upset. But it's just depends on the situation and what's happening. Police, man. Uh, now all police are bad, but some changes need to be made. And whoever made that warrant, they really got to sit there and think about it. Like, was she really that dangerous that she really needed? Did y'all really need to search her house like that? I think they should have just stopped at the trap houses. They got everything out the trap houses. That was it. They should have stopped right there. I spent too long on this. I'll probably edit a lot of this out. But let's move on to some sports. I'm rambling. Let's get it. What the hell are the Eagles doing, man? What are they doing? They are 0-2. Carson Wentz keep throwing interceptions like me on Madden. You are professional, though. This is real life. You ain't supposed to be throwing interceptions. You practice, you prepare, all that, man. Come on, man. 0-2. We gave away that Washington game. And then against the Rams, you got down 21-3. Miles Sanders, first first possession of the new season, and you fumped. Just too careless with the ball, man. Like, that's one problem. 
And then uh, the defense was pretty good against Washington. I mean, but then again, Washington's offense isn't that good. The Rams' offense is pretty good. And Jared Goff threw three touchdowns. All the Tyler Higby. Uh, they gave up some, you know, little rushing touchdowns. They they go for it on fourth down. They like to go for it on fourth down. The Eagles, now that this will help them win the Super Bowl, being aggressive like that. But it's not working. We get behind and we start going for it on fourth down, pretty much playing like me on Madden and losing. They're losing. I don't know how they couldn't stop Tyler Higby. I don't know how they made him a fantasy legend in one game. It's just crazy, man. It's frustrating. And, of course, Eagles fans are overreacting. People signing petitions to start Jalen Hurts. They want to bench Carson Wentz. Man, they uh they think we're going to go – some people think we're going to go 0-16. Some people are giving up on the season. Man, I'm like, listen. And you know, you know my favorite example of the Eagles going 0-2? 2003. They went 0-2. Then they beat the Bills. And then – Somehow, some way, they ended up 12 and 4, 11 and 5. That's my favorite example. Now, sure, back then they had a better defense. They had um, better receivers. They had a healthy offensive line, but it doesn't matter. I feel like even with all the injuries and the bad play, they still are able to make this right, especially with the NFC East sucking. The Washington football team sucks. The Giants suck and they lost Saquon the Cowboys don't suck but these games are way too close the Rams game too close and they lost the Falcons game they got behind what was that 21 to nothing they got behind 26 to 7 are you kidding me we're gonna be in it the Eagles are gonna be in it it don't matter what happened the Eagles gonna be in it they play the Bengals this weekend, and I got them winning 24-23. It's going to be close because Joe Burrow is a gamer, and they don't turn the ball over, and they're going to be game. Their two games against the car, uh, the Chargers and the Browns were close. They could have easily won both of them games. This team is scrappy, and they're talented. They may not be better than the Eagles, but they're going to be in it, and it's going to be tough to fight them off, but I believe the Eagles will edge them. And maybe that's just a homer in me. I don't care. Eagles will edge them. But the Eagles need to get it together. Let's not panic. Let's not start the what's wrong with Carson Wentz thing. Y'all questioning Doug Peterson. Oh, man, I don't care about none of that. The Eagles will be fine. Just saying. All right, more NFL news. Uh, The Saints choked. The Saints lost. I mean, I was watching the game at first. They were up 10 nothing, and it looked like business as usual. I didn't even realize they had Michael Thomas. That's how easy it was against the Raiders. I think they had some – they could have easily went up 14 nothing, but they had some stupid penalty that knocked them back, and they kicked the field goal. Um – then after that, I left to go do lift. You know, I, I didn't even think about the game. Baseball was on. I was thinking about, hey, uh, hurry up, baseball. Get the heck off the air so I could listen to JR Sport Brief. I go to listen to JR Sport Brief, and to my surprise, the game is on. And then I hear it's 24-17. I was like, okay, okay, so the Saints the Saints got control. Then they said touchdown Raiders. The score is 31 17. I was like, huh? What happened? They said they scored 24 and answer points. That's what gave it away. I was like, huh? I was like, the Raiders scored 24 and answer points. How? Man, the disrespect started after they won that game. Um, the Raiders held on. But the disrespect of Drew Brees, they like, Drew Brees look average. The Saints aren't that good. Everyone was so impressed with Derek Carr as they should be. But let's not overreact. The Saints are still a Super Bowl contender. Michael Thomas will eventually be back. This is no big deal. This is no big deal at all. They will be fine. Watch. So you got the Cowboys. Like I said, the Cowboys are all right. They got a lot of offensive firepower. Shaky on defense. It doesn't help that they're missing two linebackers and two DBs. Um, yeah. 
So in their two games, they're up and down. They start slow, then they reel off a bunch of points in a row, then they fall off, and then uh, they either choke at the end or they pull it out. But they're one and one. Against the Falcons, they gave up a ton of yards. Calvin Ridley killed them. I don't know what they did about Julio, but they kind of shut him down. But uh, Matt Ryan threw for a million yards, and Calvin Ridley killed them. And somehow, some way, the Cowboys won. They were losing the entire game. Uh, it was the fourth quarter, 39-30. That kind of made me raise an eyebrow. And then someone in my Madden chat was like, because he's a Falcons fan. They was like, oh, no, I want to die. And then I immediately checked to the game. It was 39-37. I was like, oh, shoot, this still time. Then they get the onside kick. Once I heard they got the onside kick, I was like, it's over. They won. The Cowboys won. It was an incredible game. I knew the Falcons had no defense. I was just shocked how slow the Cowboys came out. I thought they was going to obliterate them. They did eventually, but it's just how it happened kind of shocked me. So one thing is for certain. The Cowboys are fireworks on offense. They will have a top five offense. The question is, what about that defense? Can their defense hold up? Can they not turn the ball over? Can they punch it in the end zone and not start off slow? Because if they could do all that, they're going to they're gonna easily win the NFC East. But if they keep messing around, the Eagles will hang around and maybe even Washington football team if they – if they think they for real. Even the Washington football team will be in it at the end of the year and they might steal the division away from the Cowboys again. Specifically the Eagles. That's what I'm expecting to happen. They keep messing around, messing around, and just like last year, the Eagles will come in, swoop the division, will be in the playoffs, and whatever happens from there, maybe they'll catch fire and maybe they'll go back to the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll see, man. But for now, the Cowboys are a lot of fireworks, but these games are way too close. And if they keep messing around, that division is going to go to the birds, the Eagles. Anyway, so I won on DraftKings. Oh, by the way, uh, I predicted 35-31 Cowboys. It ended up being 40-39 to Cowboys. It didn't go how I expected, but the Cowboys won. That's the point. Anyway. Oh, and by the way, I'm predicting them. I'm predicting them to win against the Seahawks because the Seahawks' defense is a joke. Even though they got Russell Wilson, the defense is just so just surprisingly bad. But they have no pass rush, so I have Cowboys 42-35 over the Seahawks. I hope the Seahawks win, but. 42.35 Cowboys. Anyway, um, I won $11 on DraftKings. $6 on one pool, $5 in another pool. So what I did was one lineup was loaded with Cowboys and Falcons players because I knew that was going to be a high-scoring game. And surprise, surprise, it was. Another lineup had Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Zeke, and I don't know why I did this, but I chose Tyler Higbee, and it worked out. Because he went off. Maybe because, you know, he was the the best player I can get for however money I had left. Because I usually choose my tight end last. So that, that lineup had a lot of points. So it looks like the strategy I'm going with. Oh, and, and one of my lineups had LaVishka Chenault. I think, I think people are starting to catch on to who this guy is. He plays for the Jaguars. He he receives, he he catches passes. Um, he you can line him up in the backfield and he can run. Someone said on Twitter he's what people expected Antonio Gibson to be, and that is exactly right. The the little Swiss Swiss Army knife that you can line up in different spots and he can hurt you because he's so elusive and so versatile. I knew that from the beginning, and that's why he's on. Well, I just traded him away for some running backs, which, to be honest, was pretty dumb. But who knows? It might work out for me. Anyway, 
I knew the kid was nice. People like playing with his name. But on this DraftKings thing, I was shocked. He was only 0.9% owned. I'm like, what? This guy, maybe because y'all haven't heard of the name. The kid is nice. You might as well pick him. Automatic 10 fantasy points every week. I was shocked that he didn't have more attention in the them big DraftKings pools. That's fine with me. Help me make some money. So thanks a lot. But I stacked the hell out of the Cardinals because I knew the Redskins or Washington football team could do nothing with them. And that is, that is exactly what happened. Uh, Kyler Murray had 30-something fantasy points. DeAndre Hopkins had 20-something fantasy points. Even Drake, he didn't even have that great of a game. Even he had double-digit fantasy points. So once again, I am stacking the Redskins or Washington's opponent. They have a great pass rush, but the rest of their defense, trash. Which is why I'm stacking OBJ, Baker, Landry. I have some combination of Baker, Chubb, Hunt, Landry, and OBJ in multiple lineups. And I feel like that's going to win me some money. Just watch. Like, until until the Washington football team show me any different, if you need any DraftKings fan duel plays, attack whoever Washington football is playing. I knew once they gave up 20-something fantasy points to Carson Wentz and he didn't even play well, I knew they would, I knew their defense was, was, was a joke. It's all pass rush, and that's it. Hey, I'll talk more about them coming up soon. Yep, I'll talk about them coming up soon. Uh, let's talk about the Lakers and Nuggets. So now it's 3-1 Lakers. It's a miracle that the Nuggets are down 3-1 again. It's a miracle that they're even here. They should have lost to the Jazz. They should have lost to the Clippers. But they're here and down 3-1 again. I just don't think it's going to happen again. Bro, if they come back from 3-1 this time, they're, the, they're going to be the champs. I can't see how you are not the NBA champs after coming back from 3-1 three times. But they're not going to do it. I, I think the Lakers put them away in six. Now, here's the thing. Something has to give. Every time, okay, so the first two rounds, the Lakers have gotten up 3-1, and then they close the door in game five. The last two series, the Nuggets have gone down 3-1 and then swept the rest of the games. Something has to give. Maybe there's some give and take, and the Lakers close it out in six. I kept saying seven, but I think it's six. I think the Lakers will lose, and then they'll regroup, and then they'll beat the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets won game three. Because they, they couldn't miss. They 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 got to the rim. They did whatever they wanted to do. The Lakers made a little run when I stopped watching and decided to play 2K. Which, by the way, that 2K game was way better than the actual game on TV. <laughs> by the way, I won by three with the Lakers. But after that, I mean, the Lakers was just too much. The clutch defensive plays. Clutch shots by uh, KCP, clutch, clutch plays by Anthony Davis. Too much. Too much, man. And that's how it's going to end up turning out. And on the other side, you got the Heat. I don't think the Celtics is going to go away quietly. They lost two of them games by really close margins. They could have easily won two of those games, and we could be talking about 3-1 Celtics. We could. So the Heat, the Heat got Tyler Hero, and he's going off. Listen, when I saw Tyler Hero hit all them clutch shots versus the Bucks, I just knew he was a person that he could that you could count on because he wasn't afraid of the moment, and he came up with 37 in the last game. The kid is nice. It's just someone everyone overlooked, almost everyone overlooked. Some people knew from the beginning, but I, I, I overlooked them. Even when he was at Kentucky, I overlooked them. Man, these Coach Cow players, him, Shai Gilgis Alexander, Jamal Murray, Bam Abadayo, all Coach Cow players, and they doing well in the NBA. Wow. I, that's a recruiting pitch in itself. But, of course, you know, the top players, they still going to go to Duke anyway. <laughs> 
But Kentucky going to get some of them, man. Coach Kyle ain't rocking like that. But, man, um, I'm excited to see how the rest of these series play out. It's go- it, it looked like Lakers and Heat. But don't expect but don't expect these teams to go away quietly. That's all I'm going to say. And now it's time for the D.C. Sports Carousel. Hey, Washington football fans, I told you, I told you y'all was going to lose. I told y'all that you had to worry about Kyler Murray. What did I tell you? told you there was a man named Kyler Murray, and you should have been worried. He was barely pressured or hurried. You should have lost by 30. The offense in the secondary can't make y'all fans happy. Good luck watching that offense and Mr. Troy Apke. <laughs> Had another poem for you Washington football fans. I knew y'all was going to get too happy about that Eagles win. One that the Eagles handed to you. You knew you wasn't that good, bro. You got down. 17 nothing Again. I knew they weren't coming back this time. They tried. They tried their best. And it just didn't work out. Kyler Murray made them look foolish. They could not catch the guy. They couldn't catch him. I think, um, what's the name? Chase Young got one or two sacks. But other than that, they could not get pressure on this guy. And in the goal line, he was shaking and baking and just waltzing in the end zone. They look foolish out there. Your defense isn't that good. Because once you get past that pass rush, like I said earlier in the show, it's over. Dwayne Haskins, I like Dwayne Haskins. But he has been, meh, so far. And he don't warm up until the second half. He don't get going until the second half. How's that a recipe for success? Y'all in trouble. So you better hope that your defensive line keep doing their thing. And you better hope that uh, Ron Rivera keeps motivating the troops. Because if not, it's going to be another long season. And the Eagles will get you at the end of the season. In week 17, in Philly, they will smoke you. But we'll get to that when the time comes. But I told you. Now, you might have a little more success against Baker, who isn't as good in the pocket and is prone to turn the ball over, especially when he gets pressured. But the Browns got so many weapons, they can overcome that. They can overcome that. And their defense isn't all that great either. And they got injuries. Nah, I don't care. The Browns are just a little bit better, and it will show down the stretch. Browns will win. I got the Browns winning 27-20. to 20. Now let's move on. The Nationals. The Nationals, this season's almost over. Thank God. I picked up this elderly couple. I had the game on the radio. He was like, who's playing? I said, the Nationals and the Mets. I was like... We, it's not like we're going to make the playoffs, so I don't even know why I'm listening to this. I dropped them off, and they was they were so sweet. It was like, good luck to your team. I hope they win. I was like, yeah, they probably going to lose. Because they were losing. They were sitting up there losing while I was listening to them. And no surprise, they lost. They got down 2-0, and they just couldn't. It just wanted them nice where they just couldn't make up that little short deficit. I'm done. I'm done. Um, The Nationals was like, oh, we love you fans. We'll come back next year. Thanks for being with us. And I was like, I'm mad at you. <laughs> I'm mad at you, man. I wanted you to make the playoffs this year. I know it was tough because of the circumstances, and we lost Zimmerman, and we lost uh, Castro and Strasburg, man, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You ended up being 19 and 31 for the second year in a row. <sighs> we'll see what happens. Uh, the fans want to tank so we can get a top five draft pick. I was looking at the list and it looks like uh, there's some really good pitchers coming out. I mean, we could use another ace. Why not? Or do they take the best position player? And add some bats to our lineup. Hey, we'll see, man. Uh, we'll see. The Nats at 1.14 straight, but then they got blasted by the Phillies. Kept their playoff hopes alive. And then they just lost to the Mets last night. They're officially eliminated from the playoffs. Thank God. It's been a frustrating season. 
I've been following, but it's just been getting on my nerves. They called me about partial season tickets. I'm down, but please, man, if I get these season tickets for next year, y'all gonna have to play better. Come on, man. I'm tired of seeing y'all get blasted by everybody in the division. The Marlins took our spot in the wild card. The Marlins. Come on, man. It's ridiculous. Come on, man. Come on, man. But it's almost over. I don't have to be disappointed at another Nationals loss. I don't have to hear the post-game show, the unnecessary post-game show. It's over. Thank God. Let's move on. <laughs> now let's get to DC United. So DC United is just weird. They have all these games, especially home games, and we can't go because of the city regulations and COVID. We can't go. I miss going to DC United games. I miss going to Audi Field, even though there's no parking. <laughs> there's no parking, but I miss going, man. It sucks. Uh, but the DC United isn't that good, okay? They aren't that good. I should have known they weren't going to be that good when they lost um, Acosta and Wayne Rooney. Oh, well, I still follow them every now and then. They have not won since September 2nd. They tied with NYCFC in Toronto, and they lost to the Red Bull after beating them. Yeah, okay. They played against Nashville. Um, Let me check on that score. I think they lost that game, too. Um, well, I will put that in the blog, whether they won or lost, but it's not good, okay? They play New England at home on Sunday. I just miss watching watching them, and I don't know how this season's going to turn out, but hopefully next year we're all back watching DC United at Audi Field, even with restrictions. That's it for the DC Carousel, Sports Carousel. Now it's time for the Sooner Schooner. OU versus K-State. And OU is a huge favorite. They're at home. K-State didn't look good against Arkansas State. At least that's what everyone says. But I kept looking at the highlights and I'm like, K-State wasn't horrible. They just... They just let Arkansas State hang around, and unfortunately, you know, Arkansas State converted some trick plays, and they had some jump balls, and it kept them in the game. It kept them in the game, and Kansas State field goal kicker is horrible. That's another reason why they kept them in the game. They just kept, like, boosting Arkansas State's confidence when – there were plenty of times where Kansas State could have slammed the door and made sure they weren't in the game. They let that slip away. They let that Jonathan Adams guy uh, bully their cornerbacks. A pretty experienced secondary, uh, other than the red shirt freshman they have. A uh, pretty experienced secondary who did okay at times. But, man, that Jonathan Adams guy bullied them. We got some. We got a 6'3 receiver. We got a 6-6 tight end. They could very well take advantage of that in the red zone. One thing I noticed watching the highlights is late in the game, how Kansas State just stopped blocking up front as far as, you know, pass blocking. And they were and they were getting pressure on Skylar Thompson. Now, Kansas State can spread you out. They run RPOs. Just like OU. Just like OU. So I'm not... A lot of people are overlooking them. A lot of Sooner fans are overlooking them. They beat us last year. They're going to have confidence coming into Norman. And they're going to be pissed that they let that other game slip away. It's not going to be easy. And, you know, we got an inexperienced quarterback. We do got a somewhat experienced defense. That that helps. But, you know, what, what did that... What did that do last year? Still gave up a ton of yards and a ton of points. Our defense is going to be challenged. Our defense does play well at the beginning of the season, so maybe we'll have that going for us. But I just don't think it's going to be a cut 
and dry blowout by OU. I do not, but I do have them winning. I do have them winning 49-35. Like, points are going to be scored. Skylar Thompson's going to be that dual threat. You got to, oh, and by the way, you got to watch Deuce Vaughn. Like, you look at the depth chart. He's third on the depth chart, but you still have to watch him coming out in the shotgun as a back. You got to watch him in the passing game. He's like a a Darren Sproles, Christian McCaffrey hybrid, and he's very shifty, very elusive. You got to watch him. Like, he could go off. Now, they have these other two bats who are pretty solid, uh, number two and number 33, they're a little bit bigger than Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn is like 5'5", 168. But he's so dangerous because he, he can make people miss, and he's dangerous in the open field when he catches the ball. So you got to watch out for him. Skylar Thompson killed us last year with his dual threat ability. So, and, he, and he got the confidence from last year. Oh, man. It's not going to be an easy game. It's not going to be as easy as people think. I know we're Oklahoma and we expect to win all the time, but man, just just do not overlook this team. Don't overlook Iowa State either, which is next week. So that's all I'm going to say, man. Uh, Boomer Sooner, 49-35. That's what I'm going with. Oh, and I was worried about this game not happening. Well, according to Kansas State's Twitter, they're on the way to Norman right now. They might be there already. It's not that damn far. So, yeah, they're probably there already. So, it's go time, man. It's go time. Uh, Let's see what happens. Uh, I still think OU wins, but don't overlook them. Don't overlook this team at all. So, now I'm hopping off the Sooner Schooner. Hopping off the Sooner Schooner. So, now, here we go. Time for the new segment, Make That Make Sense. I take... The biggest point spread of the NFL slate or whatever we're dealing with, uh, college football, whatever. But I'm going to do NFL because that's a little bit easier. So, NFL slate, make that make sense. The biggest point spread is uh, Colts over Jets minus 10. They're a 10-point favorite. But my job is to make a case for the underdog. The way the Jets can win this game is going to be tough because let's be real. Offense, they're bottom, they're bottom three team in rushing, bottom three in passing. They're not very good. Defense is okay, but I just don't. On paper, it don't look like they have a chance. However, however, they this is the NFL, okay? They can keep the Colts' offense off the field. They can keep – their defense is solid. So, if they can make some stops, force some turnovers, make some stops, force some turnovers, and on offense, you know, they slow the pace down, make this a low-scoring game, I truly believe the Jets can come away with this victory. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you just saw the Colts lose to the Jaguars. They can turn over the ball. And if you stop the run, Phillip Rivers going to sling it, and you know that he can throw some picks because he's a gunslinger. And the, the Jets have a chance. The Colts are going to probably win, but they have a chance. And um, the Colts got an injury at receiver. They lost Marlon Mack for the season. I mean, come on, man. And the Jets, I think, can run the ball. The Jets can run the ball on the Colts for sure. They, they, there's definitely opportunity there to slow the game down and make it a defensive battle. And that's how the Jets can win this game, even though they're the biggest underdog of the slate. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So now, real quick, let's talk about this Whitlock versus Katie Nolan, Maria Taylor, and I guess somehow Alex Flanagan thing. Jason Whitlock done came for somebody else. This time, it's Katie Nolan. This all started when he decided to write an article, and I think he had some tweets about Maria Taylor. Because, you know, Maria Taylor, uh, I think she got criticized for what she was wearing on TV by some irrelevant radio host. So, 
um jason whitlock saw that and then he saw her talking about the brianna taylor case and he just concluded that she's starting to look like a victim and that she started to take herself too seriously and he is trying to warn her because she whitlock believes she's very good she's very talented she's great to watch on tv and well like me and a million other guys think she's attractive she's very attractive she's he said all that about maria taylor he loves maria taylor but he doesn't like the trend of her rising status she doesn't like how she's been handling it and how she's starting to become more political and outspoken basically he's trying to say he's she's becoming like jamel hill and michelle beetle and he pointed to the fact that they are not on espn no more because they quote unquote took themselves too seriously so Katie Nolan took offense to that. But I think he took a shot at her because, you know, she was on his mind. Basically saying that um, Katie Nolan is white privilege and she isn't all that talented and she's on TV because she's pretty and white. Basically, that's what he was saying, that she isn't as qualified as a bunch of other people to get that much money from ESPN and her own show when you got Hannah Storm, you got uh, Linda Cohn, and like a bunch of other people like Jackie McMullen, those type of people that are more qualified. And he believes she's taking their spot and she's not that talented. And he has a lot of evidence of producers and people behind the scenes that basically say she's not that talented and can't be put on live TV because she's a liability. That That's their words, not mine. I think Katie Nolan is it, somewhat funny. Like, sometimes she's hit or miss. Sometimes she's funny. Sometimes she's not. Okay? If she's overall, she's pretty entertaining. You know what I'm saying? She lightens the mood when talking about sports. But she, he had to come at all those people. He had to come at them all. And that's just who Whitlock is, man. Like, he didn't get this far just playing it safe and being PC. Especially now he's with OutKick. He's not on Fox anymore. He's not on ESPN. He is going for the neck, bro. He is talking about every political issue, every sports issue from a not so pc conservative viewpoint and he's saying stuff that people are afraid to say that's going to open you up to a lot of criticism though my thing is he should have just left it alone like he didn't have to but it's just who he is he, he should have left it alone it's no reason to really comment on maria taylor or even um Katie Nolan, but Katie Nolan had always been on his radar, though, according to him, because uh, Katie Nolan, because, you know, Jason Whitlock says controversial stuff like every other week. So he's trending on Twitter every other week, like once a month, maybe once every few months. He's trending on Twitter. So he's caught Katie Nolan uh, agreeing with someone taking down his character, and he mentally put her on the list of people he don't fuck with so the the minute he got a chance to unload on her he took it he went in he went in man um ah, man you i'm not mad at either one of them uh they both got to where they are they both put in work they both get paid a lot of money to do what they do i mean it is what it is it, it is what it is um, I just think that there are bigger issues to worry about. There's other things he could have talked about. But he got back to the the more important um uh BLM and political stuff and sports stuff. But I think he could have left that one alone. But that's who he is. I mean, he's come after Kobe. He got Mike Lup Lupica to say fuck you. 
this is just I guess this is just who Jason Whitlock is. I can't be mad at him. I'm not about to call him a coon like 50 million other black people do. It's just who he is. You got to take the good with the bad, man. And don't be, you know what I'm saying? Don't be so upset about what he thinks about Maria Taylor um, and what he thinks about Katie Nolan. Sure, he kind of overgeneralized and kind of kind of came to some uh, harsh conclusions about Katie Nolan, but that's just what he thinks. And he has evidence to support his claim. I just think that she's good enough. I mean, she's good enough to be on TV, but she isn't all that. She isn't all that. Like, but she's, but she definitely, I think she deserves to be on TV. I don't see her enough. Like, she's not on TV enough. Her show comes on really late. And I'm not, I usually don't get to see it. Maybe I should look for it. And when I seen her show on Fox or whatever, I was like, yeah, this is okay. I mean, but I'm not like, I'm not just going to like tear her down. I mean, I don't know what she did to get there, honestly. Like there's some things she, that may have not been disclosed that she did to get there. I know you could take that and run with that and say she did some, you know, uh, lustful stuff uh, to, to say it politely but hey man i'm not gonna i'm not gonna judge her she got where she is i'm not gonna hate but if whitlock think she ain't that talented and she only got there because she pretty it just is what it is it just is what it is I, i'm not gonna fool with katie nolan She's there. She's cool. I mean, she don't, I, I have no problem with her. But the thing is, that Alex Flanagan thing, how Alex Flanagan has a blog, first of all. I didn't know that. But she brought up the fact that she, she was criticized by Jason Whitlock in a similar fashion because she has some shaky... Um, she has some shaky interviews in two wildcard playoff games. And the way she said her side of the story, it's a miracle that she was even able to pull off those interviews because she was under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And I, she admitted it wasn't her best moment, but it's the best she could do in those circumstances, especially the Seahawks and Saints game. So she offered to talk things out with him and Jason Whitlock ignored her. I do have a problem with that. You know, maybe they could have talked things out. I mean, it's the same thing with the LeVar Ball and Christine Leahy thing. Like, they could have talked things out. We didn't have to. We didn't have to put it on TV. We didn't have to put it out on the open that you know you have a problem with them. But hey, um, Jason Whitlock is bold and he says what he feels. I, I wish they could have worked things out, Alex Flanagan and Jason Whitlock, because I think if Alex Flanagan would have told her side of the story, maybe Jason Whitlock would have understood, but I, I guess he ain't have time for that. Same thing with Katie Nolan, but I think the Katie Nolan thing would be harder to do for him, for him to sit down with Katie Nolan and talk things out because uh, he knows a lot about her and the damage is probably done. <laughs> So that would be a tough one to recover from. But Whitlock's going to Whitlock. Clay Travis is going to Clay Travis. I'm fans of these guys. But some some battles they just don't need to fight. And that was one of them. So here we go. Now it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. Here we go. I had a tough time coming up with one. I almost did Whitlock versus Katie Nolan in some ridiculous made-up game, but instead, in honor of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten being back, oh, yeah, Pac-12 is back. I found that out today. Uh, Crazy. Or maybe yesterday I found out, and they're going to start soon, and they're going to have a seven-game schedule. But in honor of that, we're going to do what could have been. Oregon versus Ohio State. The 2020 versions of Oregon versus Ohio State. So here we go. So the stars on both sides. You got uh you got Thibodeau, the big time DN. I think he's a sophomore. He's gonna be a first round draft pick one day. CJ Verdell, big time running back um for Oregon. Uh 
You know, Ohio State got Mr. Heisman, Mr. Heisman front runner Justin Fields. They got him, and they got Garrett Wilson. They got Marvin Harrison. Yeah, both teams. They got oh oh Chris Olave, Olave, and they got my man um my man what's his name uh, Trey Sermon. That was with OU. They got him. This is gonna be a good game. Here we go. Oregon goes up three nothing off the rip. And then uh, Ohio State drives, drives down the field, and Garrett Wilson gets a 30-yard touchdown, 7-3 Ohio State. Another field goal by Oregon and a 7-6 Ohio State. Uh, Justin Fields go back to pass after the kick return gets to the 19-yard line. He drops back to pass. He tries to throw a curl route, and it gets jumped, and it gets picked off by DJ James. And it's 13-7 Oregon. So, then, Justin Fields come back after a long, better kick return. First play, 49-yard touchdown. DeMario McCall, 14-13, Ohio State. And Ohio State answers with another field goal after three and out. And then, Oregon comes right back. 30-yard touchdown, 20-17 to Oregon. Then after a few three-and-outs from both teams, Garrett Wilson, 24-20 Ohio State. He had his second touchdown of the day. And then after a stop, Ohio State comes right back. Chris Olav with a touchdown catch, 31-20 Ohio State. Then Ohio State kicks a field goal right after that. It's 34-20 Ohio State. So right before the quarter ended, Oregon goes on a long drive, and they punch it in with Travis Dye, 34-27 Ohio State, going into the fourth quarter. So now Ohio State locks up on defense. They only give up seven points, two more touchdowns for Justin Fields. He throws the passes to um, McCall, DeMario McCall, and Elijah Gardner. So that is five touchdowns for Justin Fields. Uh, surprisingly, Ohio State only had 30 yards rushing. Uh, Calvin Thibodeau had a sack. Malik Harrison had a sack. And at the end of the game, Oregon scores one more time. C.J. Verdell scores to make it 48-34. They couldn't get the onside kick, and Ohio State runs out the clock. 48-34, Ohio State. Hypothetical game of the episode. Ohio State wins. Justin Fields, 21 for 31, five touchdowns, one interception. Garrett Wilson, four catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns. C.J. Verdell had 23 carries, 122 yards, and a touchdown. Travis Dye had 11 carries, 58 yards, two touchdowns. Tyler Show, the replacement for Herbert, 23 for 37, 251, one interception. And that's it, man. That was the hypothetical game of the episode, and that's pretty much it for the episode as a whole. So I'm out. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.